This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Updated with a 4D guidance system for support right when you need it and pure gel technology for softer landings every time. Visit ASICS.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. Welcome to episode number 304 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. A lot's happened in the last uh, seven days of world distance running. Looking forward to talking to Croaks and Moose all about those things. Includes uh, the World Champs, which finished up today. Uh, National Cross Country Championships. Adelaide Marathon happened. Got some good listener questions here. Moose on the loose. And um, yeah, what's coming up? Looks like a few things to talk about as well. Welcome to my co-host. He rejoins us this week after our heart surgery last Monday. Bradley Croker, how are you? Good, thanks, Brady. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Although we did do a little episode, me, you and Christian, mid last week. So I did hear your voice then, but it's good to have you back for the weekly show. Yeah, it was nice last week to get my uh, podcast hit with Christian. Um, I really enjoyed yeah, sort of dissecting that 1500 metre uh, race. Yeah, that was good fun, wasn't it? Uh, I think we're going to do it again tonight, Croaks, just looking at some of the results here. But we've got our uh, other co-host, not Christian. We've got Julian Spence, the 2018 World Championships, no, 19, 19. World Championships uh, representative. Julian Spence, how are you going this week? Yeah, good. I did I did listen to that episode, actually, um, and realised about 10 minutes in why I didn't get an, an invite to it. Oh, we just assumed you, you're too busy. You blokes, no, nah, you blokes fucking love it. And I haven't watched any of the races. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm disconnected with the track and field world because I actually have very little interest in this right now. And you blokes living and breathing it. I think though those two had some better stats than I did, Moose, but I was just happy to be there and um, be part of the conversation. I was very impressed with Croaks's, uh research about certain splits and all those kind of things. Like He did a great job, and Christian just knows that scene so well. So I was definitely the third wheel. You've got to admit, Moose, the, the 1500 the last few years has been pretty exciting. It has. No, I agree. But I still don't get the levels of excitement that you two both had. Mm. You like, were up and about and over probably, the weekend, though, weren't you, for the marathons? Like, you were, like, marathon, messaging us. I watched like, the oh, marathon. I turn this on. Yeah. yeah. I actually did watch the road races. Like, that's the thing that, that I'm really interested in. Uh, but, but yeah, I've never I've never fully got around the track like you guys have, and it's probably because I never spend that much time on there. Like, you, you Croaks, you, you were on the on the track till you are like, 43 or something. <laughs> it's only after, after that you turned to the road. Yeah, yeah, I was track, yeah, Pretty much up until I was, yeah, like early early 30s. Yeah, you go into the Paris World Champs and stuff. I reckon you told me that, like, when you are a kid. Yeah, yeah, funny you mentioned that, Moose, because I did go to Paris World Champs, but I was so into track, and, like, at that point I was 23. I'm like, I'm never running a marathon. I didn't even go and watch the marathon at the Paris World Champs. 
Well, who won? Do you remember? Uh, no, I don't remember who won. I think Troopy was representing us. But, um, yeah, because I was just purely like, oh, no, I'm like 1,500-meter runner. Uh, I'm not really interested in going and watching the marathon. It's, it's, yeah, change now. Hey, uh, yeah. talking about your age, Craig, so it was your birthday yesterday too, wasn't it? Yeah, 43. 43. Happy birthday for yesterday. Moose won't wish you happy birthday because <laughs> he's got that thing, that lame thing where he doesn't wish people happy birthday for their birthdays. Yeah. But happy birthday on behalf of me and all the other Inside Running Podcast listeners. Thanks, Craig. I actually, I do say happy birthday. I do say it. <laughs> to who? You've never said happy birthday to me <laughs> or Craig's. Wow. And you're in a message group you're, where everyone says happy birthday, birthday and you don't it? do it. They're 43. Who cares? That's true, Moose. I, uh, yeah, I generally don't like like celebrating getting a year older now. What'd you yeah, I reckon I, when, he's four, when he's 50, I'll reach out. What did you get up to, Crooks? Uh, uh, I went for a bit of a walk um, and then, yeah, went down and hung out with the kids while they rode their bikes. And then, yeah, the afternoon was spent on my own watching the, um, watching the marathon which was like perfect, you know, 3 p.m. kickoff for a marathon is ideal, Um, especially when it's your birthday and you just say, Viv, I'm spending the next two hours in the bedroom watching this, keep the kids (laughs) occupied. It's my birthday. (laughs) Have a couple of screens open. Um, How, uh, like, oh, damn. Uh, uh, Russell. Russell must be getting hammered with the extra exercise that you're peppering him with lately. Uh, he still doesn't get out the door as much because if I go for a walk, um, like I'm going for an hour um, and I try and get up onto some of the trails behind our house and, um, yeah, he'd, he'd struggle with that. But he was getting when, – when I was first diagnosed and I had to stop running, I was definitely walking him more than, um, than what he was getting before that, yeah. Troopy was 17th at those world champs, Crokes. Two eleven he ran. It was won by a Moroccan athlete, Garib. Um, Stefano Baldini from Italy was third. That's a significant name around that era, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, we won the Olympics. Yeah, I thought so. Julio Ray from Spain was second. 208 that run. Not a bad run. Well, is the only Aussie in it for us? I'm just scrolling through now as we talk. No, there's an Australian flag. Andrew Leatherby. Oh yeah? yeah, and another one there, Rob De Hyden, two sixteen. Oh, Rob De Hyden. Yep. Yeah, he, was he still runs some AV stuff, I reckon. Yeah, for he um, was a few Doncaster, years ago. wasn't he? Mm. Doncaster oh. boy. Leatherby's a good man as well. I spent some time with him over in Boulder when I was over there in like two thousand and nine. What was his nickname? Leatherballs. Oh no, the, what's Rob De Hyden's nickname? <laughs> Doesn't he have one too? I swear no. it's like I think swear it's like bull or something like that. I don't know, Bruno or something like that maybe. Anyway, let's talk about some running here um, that involves us, Julian Spence. Oh, Chris, give us an update first about how your heart surgery went. I love we've been on air for like five minutes, haven't even asked him, but talked about shitload of other things. Uh, yeah, it went pretty well. So like surgery was about four hours in total. Like went in about eight, um, got out around midday, um, and then. Originally, I thought I was going to be asleep for the whole thing. Um, but before we went in, they said, I would like to keep you awake for the first half just to try and mimic, um, like, when you run, you're obviously awake and we'll try and get your heart rate up while you're awake to try and bring on the arrhythmia. So they gave me, like, this sedative initially, which was, like, awesome. Like, I felt amazing. It's like I, I would easily get addicted to whatever drug they gave me at, at first. But then they must have heavily sedated me 
to put the catheters in through my groin and up into the um up into my heart because I don't remember that and then I remember just sort of coming to and um hearing like the surgeon chatting to the anesthetist like to obviously put more like adrenaline in or whatever and I could feel like my heart like just beating at all different rhythms and then there's a screen there that was showing what your heart rate was and it was like you know at one at one point it's like 200 and then it's back down to like you know 90 and yeah and I could feel it like beating pretty hard in my chest at times so I thought that was pretty cool and then for the second half they put me to sleep um but in terms of like I came out of it a bit disappointed because they told me that they weren't able to bring on my um, ventricular tachycardia which is the whole idea of it is to try and bring on the arrhythmia so they can actually pinpoint where the electrical signal is being messed up and then they burn it off to block it um and so i thought it was you know um a bit of a disappointment that they couldn't do that um, they still did do the ablation so they still did burn a bit of um heart tissue but i guess it was more on not a guess but like based on what they saw um with the scarring and stuff i guess they just made their best guess as to where they should be doing the ablation um yeah and then the recovery was pretty good um yeah, my blood pressure was pretty low, so they had to keep me in for, like in recovery for a little bit longer before they moved me to the ward. And um, the most painful part of the actual procedure was like my bladder had filled up throughout the whole procedure that when I was in recovery, like I was busting to go to the toilet, but I had to lay on my back for four hours after the surgery um, just because of the wounds around my groin. Um, but my they actually scanned my bladder and it was pretty much like at capacity and, but I couldn't go, and I, I don't know whether it was the um, the drugs uh, or just lying on my back, but um, it was pretty painful. And then I was, managed to get like a little bit out, um, which sort of got me through until uh, I was able to get out of bed and and get upright. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much it. Uh, stayed in for a night, um, was discharged at like ten o'clock the next day, and then we drove back to Canberra. Um, got home about five o'clock. Um, yeah, and then Andre. Lagersh, he called me uh, like a few hours after I got out of surgery and he, because he'd spoken to the surgeon and I said to him, oh, I guess it was sort of good, like good and bad in a way. And he was pretty upbeat about it because he, he thought it was a positive that they couldn't bring on the, um, the arrhythmia because if they're trying to bring it on and they can't, then you're probably less likely to experience it when you're out running. Um, but and he's also said that there was a bit of evidence that maybe the arrhythmia the arrhythmia is coming from the outside surface of the heart, which would be a completely different procedure and a different ablation. Um, but in terms of the next step, uh, I'm going to go back and see him in about a month. So he's over in Europe at the moment. But when he gets back, I'll go down and do another VO2 max test, um, which is what I did, uh, you know, when I first got diagnosed and I had a few episodes of VT. So I'll do that. And while I'm down there, he'll also insert this loop recorder. So um, this, he showed me one of when I was in his office, actually. So it's about the it's about the length of a USB, but it's probably about half the thickness. And they they just cut you above the, I guess, just above your heart. And they sort of insert it just underneath your skin. And it sits there for, well, I think the batteries last like three years. And it pretty much just monitors your heart rhythm 24-7. So the combination of doing the VO2 max test, like if, if that all comes back pretty normal, then he's happy for me to start to do 
a bit more exercise um, and then they'll continue to monitor my um, arrhythmias or hopefully lack of arrhythmias um, through that loop recorder. Um, so that's that's the next step, which, um, yeah, will happen sometime in September, hopefully. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, like, I think you said on the other show, like, more questions than answers, but still, it's good to hear that Andre thinks there's some positives there. Yeah, it's, you know, I admit, like, I've been a bit down since the surgery, because I guess I had this sort of, like, excitement of, oh, okay, I'm going to go and have surgery, and then hopefully that sort of heals things, but then you come out of it and, like, don't even know if that ablation did anything, um, and I'm not going to know until I start exercising, and now it's like, okay, the next step is, obviously more testing, putting this loop recorder, but then, you know, the scenarios are that, okay, if I keep getting these arrhythmias, then they look at, you know, is the arrhythmia coming from the outside of the, the heart? So that's a different procedure. Um, and obviously if, I'm, if I keep getting the arrhythmias, then the amount of running that I'm allowed to do will obviously be pretty limited. Uh, and then, you know, the, then I guess the to talk about the defib but like that that sort of got put on the back burner um that's what andre said like the fact that they couldn't bring on the arrhythmia then it's like well you know we don't need to talk about a defib at the moment um but it's all still a bit yeah a bit up in the air mm. yeah and i guess it's hard to know what to think about it all because it is all up in the air like you don't have the, like this is the next point of action and then do this 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 and then you're back around it yeah, yeah. It's been 10, it'll be 10 weeks this weekend since I pretty much ran for an hour. Like, yeah, so I'm starting to feel a bit, um, uh, just a bit like, just sloppy. Like, you know, I haven't put on a heap of weight. Like, I've still been trying to eat well. So I've only put on probably like two to three kilos. But you just feel, I don't know, when you're not exercising, you don't feel as great. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm forcing myself to go out for decent walks. Like, I think I walked probably like 6k this morning it's not not massive but it's better than sitting on the couch you walk fast or you're just like just chilling oh uh, i wouldn't i'd say it's somewhere in between so it's not like full-on you know like power walk like wigg, wigg, wiggling my hips yeah i'm certainly not doing that but i'm also like not just dawdling okay you go to the gym still no nah, no gym i hate I reckon, the gym oh do you see i i reckon i'd get into the gym if i couldn't run yeah no well i'm um, part of the rehab for the surgery like that's the one thing i'm not allowed to do for two weeks is like lift stuff um because of oh. the the groin um so yeah it's funny like you'd think having heart surgery it's like okay you need to worry about the heart for the next two weeks but it's actually like where they went in through the groin so that's all like pretty like bruised and um yeah you're just not allowed to pick anything up um that's heavy and uh, but I should be able to do some exercise, like from well, you know, obviously I'm walking an hour, and I do plan to do a little bit of uh, like run walk. I reckon um, in the next maybe in a, in a week's time, like run for three minutes, walk for two minutes, just just to do something other than walking. Um, and I, I think that's relatively safe doing that. Mm. Okay, Moose, do you want to tell us about your week? Um, yeah, I can tell you. Uh, Monday coming off a bigger long run, I just did two um, small runs as a double. So I had some like fatigue, soreness on this day. I, every Monday is the same at the moment with these bigger long runs. So I just did 37 in the morning, in the afternoon did half an hour, just around home. Um, then Tuesday ran with Bree actually. So we 
must have got out relatively early to do that. Um, just 12k around town. Um, oh, actually, we went down to um, we went down to the beach, ran along the beach a little bit, and then came up. And then Bree did surges. Uh, I was still pretty cooked on Tuesday. She dropped me on a few of those surges downhill. I just couldn't keep up. She's got a pretty good turnover and change of pace, way better than me. Uphill, I could keep up with her on the surges, but downhill, I was no good. On that um, evening, I did treadmill. So I've been jumping on there after dinner. So this was about 8 o'clock, uh, half an hour. I do some gym afterwards. Um, so I can, I'm just doing some basic weight circuits. So I, I do stuff like um, I've got a trap bar. So I do the trap bar deadlift. I did some, oh, what was it, like Bulgarian split squats, single leg calf raise and a bit of core, some chin-ups, that sort of thing. I, I normally can get out of there in 35 minutes, 40 minutes, but it's been good. I've really enjoyed it, getting back into the gym. Like, I feel stronger on the hills already, uh, and I, I actually feel like I recover better doing gym from my running for some reason. I ran with Ali on the Wednesday. We ran down and out and back. It was supposed to be at RG. She was the one pushing the pace on this run. I, I like I still wasn't feeling good, so I said we got to go slow. But she was the one pushing. It was um, about 13k or so. Uh, running the treddy that afternoon. Um, next day I was feeling pretty average, uh, so I I decided to can the workout that I had planned. Um, and that was going to be a longer marathon type workout, but I just didn't have any type of uh, like motivation to get to go out and hit paces and do a long workout. Like I was really tired. I hadn't been sleeping very well. I don't know whether it's exercising later at night, but I I've been having some shit sleeps, and I, like I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm pretty hungry, so I'm trying to feed trying to eat in the middle of the night and then I wake up feeling kind of sick from the food I was eating so I woke up this next morning thinking oh shit I gotta do a workout and I was supposed to do a longer one but in so I decided I'll do something that takes the pressure off me having to really perform or like on paper executing something so I just went out for a, a one hour run and I went out the back of the town over the hills um, up a pretty big hill that actually does keep going a lot further, only went up maybe a quarter of the way. And I just did an, a minute on, minute off. So I kind of had this as a, this is sort of what the Kenyans do a lot when they go out by the sounds of it, and then they start to wind it up through this workout. And, I, and they do it on dirt roads, which is what this was, and they do it over hills. And I thought, yeah, I'll just do this. Like, this is a pretty... Um, it's like a pretty low-key type of workout, like no real pressure to hit paces on the hills. I know Sydney's going to be hilly, so I thought it'd be good to get another hilly workout in. And the, the idea was, like when I started, there wasn't any sort of pace goals. There wasn't any efforts that I was supposed to hit. I just wanted to do harder, easier. That was the only prescription to it. And, and I, I, I loved it. I thought this was one of my favorite workouts that I've ever done. And it was pretty hilly. Like, 
there was a specific section where I hit like the hills and I thought, all right, let's go up here. Let me, let's try and get 10 reps up this hill. So like maybe 15, 20 minutes worth of running up the hill. Uh, and it, so every uphill, even the floats were uphill and the paces varied throughout this workout um, from like, I was going downhill some fast reps actually, like 250 pace for one of them on one of the downhill reps. And then the float was like 316, 311. But then going on the uphill, one of my uphill reps, like if I have a look at it, the uphill rep was 349, and then the float was 432. So there was a massive amount of variance within the workout. And then I got to the top section and it still wasn't flat, but it was a little bit smoother surface. So I decided I would, I would get up there like just to get a little bit more feel for, for, for um, like what a race effort might be. And, and I, I kept up the paces okay. So I was like um, 3.24 minutes, 3.18, 3.50, 2.56, 2, 3.25. Uh, I mean, it's just so hard. The paces are irrelevant on this workout because of the hills. It's just ridiculous how varied they were. So in the end, it was um, average of 3.25 and I covered 17.5K. But good. Gap, yeah. gap, av- gap pace was like 3.19s for the session. Yeah, yeah. Like this is probably the best workout that I've done since I'm going to say 2020. And it doesn't look like it. It's hard to see it. But I, I was thinking like the way I felt during this and then I finished, I didn't look at my pace at all. And I finished, I'm like 325. Fuck, that's a solid pace for this run. Like I got pretty pumped about that considering how bad I felt when I woke up. Yeah, yeah, I saw the splits before I saw your notes. So I actually looked at this just seeing the numbers, and I'm like, oh, this is a great workout over that elevation to average that kind of pace. And then I saw your notes, and I'm like, oh, Andy wasn't even feeling good. It was a bit of a, like, just get out there and do something kind of workout. So that's a great sign. And, and wearing Super Blast. <laughs> wasn't in Super Blast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it wasn't That's what Strava says. I know. Looking back, I'll, I'll look back in 20 years and be like, geez, I did some good workouts in the heavies back then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this gave me a lot of confidence that workout. I thought, shit, I'm in pretty good shape here. Uh, and, and pretty good shape for that, like over hills too. So I know, I know Sydney ain't flat. So it gave me a bit of confidence. The, the next day, I did two short runs again. So I've I reckon this has been getting me through these two short doubles. So eight and a half in the morning. And then I did six. I forgot to start my watch. Six and a bit in the Arvo. um, Had a massive dinner though. Like, it's bloody hard getting your timing right. You blokes don't really run after dinner, do you? Nah, definitely not. Nah, it's tough. Because you've got to eat, like eat dinner with the family. and, And you've had a long day at work and you pretty hungry so you eat a decent dinner and then you're like oh fuck i'm gonna run in 20 minutes and it just feels gross so i i gotta work that out i gotta maybe just have a little tiny appetizer or something with the family and then have dinner after i um finish running which is at like 8 45 at night so it's pretty late dinner that's why you're not sleeping moose if i was finishing a run at nearly nine o'clock there's no way i'm getting to sleep before like midnight yeah the weird thing is i like i can get to sleep and then i'm awake an hour later just like staring at the roof 
and and hungry. It, it's a com- I reckon it's a combination. I was wondering when you, if you run, like, do you get adrenaline released into your blood or something? Um, I don't know, but it it just doesn't bode well, and I've got to work it out. Maybe I have to stay up later after that. And summer's even worse. Like you add you add the late run plus the heat, and then I don't. Yeah, then it's really hard to fall asleep or sleep throughout the night. Yeah, that's true. Can't Maybe you run between like work finishing and dinner. Uh, I have dinner. I basically walk into dinner. Because um, okay. it's a commute to work. It's like forty minutes, forty-five now. So I knock off it. Like I leave the work at five fifteen normally to five thirty. So I'm eating dinner by the time we get home. Hmm. Got I don't know what time you've you've got to. I reckon just got, do you, maybe it's about the same time. Eight, do you? What if you did your second run like before you drove home? Yeah, I probably just missed dinner at home. That's all, and it's sort of part of the deal because I don't really see Pia in the morning. So I, like it's part of the family thing. Mm. I just wouldn't see her very much, and and this is the compromise. Like back in the day, it was easy to get doubles in, wasn't it? Without kids. Yeah. Or you just yeah. yeah you can't. I know why you're doing the two doubles, shorter doubles for the recovery. But the alternative is do sixty or seventy minutes in the morning, and then not double. Yeah, that's true. Which that is, is great good, for family. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. <clears throat> Got to wake up earlier to do that too. Mm. Um, and it's which, actually the purpose. You actually do want to recover with the two singles. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I know. And I think I can get it done. Like I don't mind it. I just got to work out the sleep thing. Yeah. Got to work out the sleep thing. Uh, and I, I like. I think I've got to put some more distance between the sleep and the actual bedtime. Like I'm pretty much just having a shower going into bed almost. Can't you just get like Jimmy friend to carry her in the store for for like half an hour, like three 30 to 4 PM. Just go for a jog. It's a good call. Actually. Mm. We've been very busy lately. I probably can't at the moment. And I also drive Toby home. So really he's fucking up my plans too. Although he's been riding home from work a bit lately, so he's that's been good. Well, why I doesn't think. he drive you home and just drop you half an hour from home? Just jog into right. the house. Oh, actually, not bad idea, that. Good idea for me, I reckon. It drop could be good. 6K on the, from home, on the road. Yeah. Run straight into dinner, crack a beer, a bit of family time. I, I like that. We could, almost, we could work that out. That means he has to drive, though. Yeah, get him something yeah. to do. Not doing much running. <laughs> nah. Uh, I, I did a trail run in Karawong Falls with Ali the next day. This is pretty dumb, actually. Like, this is a pretty technical trail, and I, we almost had a few stacks. I decided after this, I'm not going on this sort of trail again. Too dumb, too close to the race. Like, something will happen here. Um, again, ran after, like, that evening. Felt felt shit and just like this was a touch and go one. This was one where I'm like, you know, I probably don't need to run this, um, but I did it anyway. Like I've been making a lot of sensible decisions, like the cautious way, and I thought this one here feels like I want to get it done just to prove that I'm disciplined and committed to this program. And it 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 felt okay towards the end, and then the next day was our longer workout. So the running company we had a a group long run put on just down along Barwon River. Meet at Landy Field. Uh, we had Morton provides the gels because they're the main sponsor of Melbourne Marathon. So everyone got in and got like trials of the gels. And um, New Balance rocked up, brought the uh, 
the Supercomp Elite V3 um, test kit. So we had a heap of people put on the race shoes and test them out for a long run, which is just such a good like program. If if you were in two minds about whether a shoe would work for you for a marathon, and then a brand comes and goes, well, take it for a 40k run if you want, and then hand it back. Like, how good's that? That that's pretty much the the ultimate way to test a shoe. And so Jimmy Friend he facilitated all this. So it was his little project. Um, so he was there flinging the shoes out to people, and I took a table round to the 5k mark of our loop with people's personalized drinks and so they could um they could run this 10k loop if they wanted to which nearly everyone did and they could pick up a drink at 5k and we also had a box of mortons out them for the from them to take it at 5k mark as well and i think i had like i'm not sure maybe a hundred gels and they all went that's how many people got stuck into the mortons uh it's pretty good pretty good for morton to put that on but my workout was three by eight k with a two k float. Um, it was originally going to be three by seven k, but I thought I would make it three by eight k for a couple of reasons. Um, the first rep I ran with Liam Werrett, who is a listener, and also he runs for Collingwood, and he came down for just for the long run. And Hardy, who's from Geelong, uh, he had a steady long run of, at about three thirties. So I decided I would jump in do the do three by eight K instead of three by seven, because I would do the first one a little slower just to stay with the group. So my, my goal was to progress these just slightly. Um, first one was 327, felt pretty comfy. We floated, the idea was about 350, so 345 float. Really 2K float, that's like seven and a half minutes of running. You can really get recovered in that time, even without jogging. By the time you hit seven minutes of that 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 float, you're ready to go again. So that's a pretty helpful float. Makes this workout a lot easier than if you were just doing a 1K float or like a three-minute jog or something. Uh, the next rep, it was just Hardy and I for about 2K. And then I told him to back off. He was running too fast for his workout. So then it was probably me solo for like 6K of this rep. Um, I ran 322s. I, I felt okay knowing that I had one more left. It's probably the hardest part of the workout is like the last 2K of the second rep. The, the last rep's a lot easier because you know you're finishing. Um, floated in 342. Had a hard time keeping the brakes on for this. It just felt like I needed to keep running faster. And I also hit a fast part of the course for the float. And then the last rep, I didn't mean, I didn't really want to go faster on this rep. I kind of just wanted to stay controlled, but controlled still felt fine at 321. Um, and it's a little cheap float at the end. You can pick it up a bit because you know the workout's about to end. So 339s. Um, I ran a 4K warm up ish, 4.5K cool down. So all up 38.6. And I was happy with this one because, again, I slept very poorly. The night before, I reckon I only had three, four hours sleep total. Um, and, and so, yeah, I was quite, like, happy to get this one out of the way. And I felt good, like, that I was disciplined to hit the paces and I didn't make any rash decisions to run too fast. Uh, perhaps I've done that the last sort of three, four weeks is almost felt like when I got bored during the workout, 
that I just added pace or injected some speed or some challenge to it by going quicker. Whereas I wasn't willing to stay bored for a long time, which is, which is a true uh, strength of a marathoner is to be able to handle boredom, monotony, going to sleep on a workout or a race um, and not feeling like the urge to push it when you don't have to. And so I was happy that I executed this one. Um, so it was like 146, 47 for the, the week, which is my biggest week in a long time. Calves got a bit sore. Calves were sore today, but they're pretty much sore all the time at the moment. So I'm going to do one more decent week of training, uh, then start to sort of just reel it in a little bit and and be right for the day, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Head in the right direction. It's a good week. Yeah. What was the workout meant to be on Wednesday, Moose? Um, I didn't really have one, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lax at the moment. Like I'm, I just wanted it to be a marathon pace, longer rep workout. And so I, I would have decided on the day. Um, it's, prob- it's one of the problems with not having a, a coach or coaching yourself is it, like there's good things and there's bad things associated with that. And, and one of the bad things is you can cop out a bit easier. There's no accountability. Um, and one of the good things is if you have a shit sleep is you can adjust on the fly and you wake up feeling sore and you're like, today's not the day to go and hurt myself. Um, and so like, yeah, you could probably look at it two ways, I guess. Mm, flexibility. You say, um, it does make that workout easier in a sense to recover and hit the splits, but you also get more K's in your legs, which then I think makes it harder later in the workout. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, I was thinking get yeah. But, yeah, I was thinking that during the workout because I knew, like, I was looking down, I'm like, fuck, we're at 30, 34K of this run now. Like, mm. this is starting to get into the marathon territory of, like, where I would, how I would sort of feel at maybe the 26K mark, 28K mark of an actual marathon. Um, and that's a good thing for it is just fatigue. Mentally, though, it becomes a little bit easier because, as you said, you get seven minutes to just sort of, like, chill out, regroup before you got to start working again. Whereas if you're doing like a 1K float, it's, you know, three and a half minutes and you're, you're in it, you know, you're in that marathon grind again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your heart rate stays up. Ways. The heart rate get, drops well down during those floats. I, I, I find this workout a lot easier than, than doing shorter recoveries for sure, even though the reps are longer. It's all right, 20 days away from race day. Getting excited. It's not far away. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, well, I'm one week away from dropping it down. I'm going to go to Burnley this coming weekend, do a little workout there. Uh, so that'll feel like that's always a little cheap sway out too, doing a workout within a race because it's like a free, free pass. Yeah. Um, what workout are you doing? I think I'll do like 10K steady and then 10K at 320s. Oh, yeah. You so should do the same oh, as Paddy. What's he doing? Two by 10K, 1K float. Oh, he, what pace is he running? Mm, I think like 315s. Did he say that on the show? No, this is in our Benigo Bats chat. Oh. What was he, what pace did he say? I reckon he'll probably, I'm just um, just predicting here off what he's been doing marathon pace stuff at, like that 315 to 317 I reckon he'll go at. No, I don't need that. I, I don't maybe need come that. in at 69 minutes. I can go slower than that. That's what I need to practice. 
Mm. I'm going to practice running slower and, and being comfortable with going slower. It's been good, Moose, seeing you, you're uh, training like a marathoner again, unlike earlier this year when you were running a marathon, but not really training for yeah. a marathon. <laughs> Feels different, but I'm a bit spooked by that one. Like, <laughs> I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon it was good for you, though. It sort of like took a bit of, co- like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a 214 man. I, I, can, I can handle this marathon. And it's like, it just goes to show there's no substitute. Like, if you're not prepared, like, you just can't fake it. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's 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 taught me some respect again as well, because even now, like, I just keep thinking back. I'm like, why the fuck were my calves so like? Why are my quads so sore? Like that race beat the shit out of me <laughs> in 20k. It beat me up so bad. Like you I pulled lost. out halfway, didn't you? I was not like that was a knockout from that race last time, and I'm getting back yeah. in the ring with it again. Did like, you know? The... Oh, sorry, Moose, continue. Oh no, I'm just like. Yeah, I'm more prepared this time. I've like I've I've conditioned myself better, but still that's the last memory of it. Yeah, and like you think about how miserable Osaka was, but I reckon ninety percent of runners out there don't prepare adequately for a marathon. So they're they're having like pretty um unenjoyable days out there, I reckon. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, like you look at a lot of the people that have signed up for Sydney, it's like, oh yeah, no, I like the challenge of, you know, doing the marathon. But they're probably, you know, not not fully prepared for it. And then they just go, oh, yeah, I'll go and do it. And then they get to like 30K and they're like, oh, this was the worst idea ever. I'm not running again till this time next year. I, I think, yeah, you see it at Melbourne quite often. And we see it in the store every day. It's like, you, you, like we ask, it's a question we ask everyone. Oh, are you training for something? It's like, yep, doing marathon, doing Melbourne. And you're like, oh, cool. What's that? Like seven weeks? Yeah, seven weeks, about to start training for it. You're like, oh, fuck. It's the one thing as a coach that I always try and get through to my athletes. It, like, they'll come to me and say, I want to do this event. It's like, well, it, it, like, only do that event if you're willing to put in the work to prepare for that event because I just don't see the point in entering an, an event where you're not fully prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's it's enjoyment, like you said. You want to go to a marathon and and experience a marathon – well, you want to enjoy it too, and you can actually enjoy that experience if you prepare for it. Yeah. But it, it's the opposite if you don't. It, it just—it's a really shitty, miserable time out there, early for a long time too. And you come away and you think that was awful. Like you don't feel like you achieved anything, really. Yeah. I, I reckon if you have a good experience, there's a sense of achievement there because you're celebrating your your commitment. Um, you're proud of yourself for committing and training for something. It's, it's yeah. yeah. I had this conversation with someone on Friday night, and it's that new mentality of like Goggins, stay hard. You can mentally get through it. Like it's going to be tough. Like, and I, like I was talking to someone who just recently got into running, and they were asking me like, you know, when how how many weeks they need to train until they do their first marathon, and I'm just like. Go five years. Like, how many people from the athletics background like don't do their first marathon until they're like thirty and been running for like a big, significant amount of like training time to get some K's in their legs? Because I just don't think you can just rush into it. But people have this like bucket list, want to tick it off, or mentally yeah. be able to push through it and get through it. And you're like, you know, it's going to be a terrible day for them out there, and they're never going to want to come back to the sport. Yeah. Well, what's even worse, Brady, is like the marathon's not even long enough for people now. People yeah, are signing up go, for these yeah. massive ultras mm. and they're not even prepared for a normal marathon. Mm. <laughs> I would say the correlation with ultras is they're less prepared. 
Uh, like the people running ultras tend to train less than those running a marathon because i i feel like it's it's a it's not a it's not a joke uh, but it's not serious like because the time doesn't matter because there's no real competitive element to it it's like just a sunday activity oh we'll just stop and walk a bit walk up the hills yeah yeah you can stop for 30 minutes and you know at the checkpoint have a bit of a chat no one really cares about your time. They just care that you're out there having a, well, I say having a crack. I'd say that's not having a crack by not training for something, but they're out there performing the activity. That's like the celebration. But mm. yeah, most, most ultra runners outside that top level, I'd say they train less than um, the, like the, the three and a half, four hour marathoner. Yeah, right. I'm going to whistle through this week, fellas, because we've got plenty to talk about. Monday, 65 minutes easy, 4.45s. Tuesday, I did a track workout without a track. I did 20 by 72 second efforts off 45 seconds walk, just down a straight road, waited for 45 seconds, went back again. Um, I really wanted to do like some 400 meter repeats and thought I just set um, 72 seconds into my watch. That's how it just beeped. And I just tried to keep the lap pace under three minute K pace, which I'm not real sure how accurate it is in that kind of short period of time. But it's all just running at the end of the day. And I was kind of running at a pretty decent click and um, decent clip, I think it is, not click. And yeah, just ran up and down and got some speed in the legs. So that was a good workout. Uh, then I went to the gym in the Good after- job. Hey? Good job uh, correcting yourself. We didn't want another success breeds cowards. Yeah. Up. I reckon I've made that mistake in the past, that one, so I thought I'd better, better fix that one up there. You weren't on Warwick Road, were you? Nah, that one's never been published, Croak, so every time you guys try and take me, take the piss out of me for that one, it just goes over like every single listener's head. Nah, we've got to go back. Zaka, Zaka, please go back and find that. Croak, you weren't even on that app. Ali was filling in for you, I reckon, that episode. Anyway, um, I did <laughs> went to the gym in the afternoon, and I did an afternoon run of 6.5K, on Wednesday, I did a midweek long run. I did 90 minutes at 4.25s. Um, then Thursday, I did 60 minutes at 4.32s. Friday, I tested out the um, the second iteration of the Zebras Moose. Not sure if you got them in stock yet or what we can or can't say about them. Put those on for some um, five-minute efforts. Kind of averaged around 3.15s off 90 seconds jog in between. Um, that's a very interesting shoe. Like the first version was extremely different than any, anything I'd worn before, and this probably takes it up another level as well. So, um, does it feel it, similar to the first version? Well, I think it feels. I don't actually know the specs and stuff, but it feels a bit more like aggressive and higher, which probably brings a bit less stability to it as well. Like it felt like I felt super tall in it. Like I don't know the specs on it yet, but this is the. Like, I got out of the box, I'm just like, they're like, this is starting to get, like, ridiculous, the, how they're producing these shoes now. Um, so, like, yeah, very, it's very good to look at, but I was just like, this is, like, I couldn't walk around the house in it, like, this is, like, just a shoe that you have to run fast in. So, um, yeah, it was a cool little experience, and I'm looking forward to testing it out a bit more before I go into too many details about where I think it's going to sit in my rotation. Um yep. Got out for, yeah, I got went to the gym and a jog that afternoon as well after school, 6.8K at 4.32s. 
Saturday, an easy hour, 4.40s. Didn't go out till 10.32. Carly did her long run in the morning, and um, it was some beautiful sunshine. I reckon it was nearly 20 degrees up here on Saturday, so I enjoyed getting out a bit later and kind of getting some sun on the arms. And then Zachy came up to a Chukamoama fellas, which was good to see him in the flesh. And we went to, um, you know, Ryan Cramery, who runs for Geelong Region. Moose, his Bucks party yes. was in a Chukamoama. Big tourist Was town, it? Big for Bucks party. Yeah, I thought you might have been there. Hey, he's fallen off the planet, Crammers. I went down there and, um, yeah, had a couple of beers with a few of them. And I thought I might have bumped into a couple of the Geelong boys. But strange, the whole Bucks party was full of Bendigo people. Yeah, stiff from him. Did he's you not get invited? Him, that run to PB, like, he broke him. Who? His coach. Who? Josh Harris. Oh, well, whoever coaches him, I'm Josh not Harris sure. Josh Harris I think he's fine. He's been running nah, the whole season, hasn't broke. he? He's broken. He's running Burnley Half Marathon this weekend, so he can't be too broken. Anyway, so Zach came up, went out for dinner, went to the Bucks party, um, and then we went over to the Shepparton Running Festival on Sunday. Hold up a second. Yep. Hold up a second. What do you want to know? Z- did Zach go to his Bucks party? Yeah, Zach was there as well. Well, we went to the same. Zach know it? Nah, but we just went anyway. Wait, so I actually Zach wasn't just invited. Up to someone's bucks party, doesn't even know it. Well, I wasn't invited either. I was rocked up as well. Like if things roll into a Chukamoama and you're going to come into our town, or my town, is that not Zach's town? We're going to just go along and have a couple Christ, of beers. Christ, so, Christ. Should have been charging an invoice to get in. Well, yeah, it's a bit odd. I think what happened though was um, Zach's dating app crashed, so he did have plans up there, but <laughs> fell we were just at a local pub. We just went to the same pub they were at for dinner. And like, yeah, his, I know his family and stuff, so I wanted to catch up with a couple of his family members. I actually didn't even say hello to the buck, just talking to the rest of his family. Anyway, so then Sunday morning, we, wrote, we drove over to the Shepherd and Running Festival. This is um, Run to PB. We're partners with this event, so we had a whole lot of athletes running over there. And Zacha, being the CEO of the Run to PB, um, he kind of, yeah, got a few of us coaches involved to go over for the morning. So um, Chris Armstrong was obviously over there. He's a Shepherd and boy. Olympian Maddie Heiner was over there as well and then yeah Zachary and I and I just jumped in the marathon to do the long run and I jumped in with um I wanted to run about I don't know 405 to 415 anywhere around there and I jumped in with Jared James and oh Madeline Heiner was meant to run with us but she got a bit competitive like cause the half marathon started at the same time and she was doing that and she won it, and um, yeah, she kind of put in a surge about a K in. Didn't see her after that. Um, and Scott Stacy, so three long-time Patreon supporters, and James was actually having a crack. Um, Jabber was pacing him for the first half, and then Scott Stacy was on the bike, and we just like talked shit for pretty much like two hours and fifty-four minutes. Um, James probably just fell off a bit in the second half. I think he was hoping to run around 250 we went through the first lap in 125 then faded a bit in the second lap but a bit of a twisty turny kind of course um so yeah i reckon he'd probably run close to 250 on a on a flat fast open road like a lot of like bike path in this one and hard to get like the rhythm up probably the best way to describe it is like a park run marathon if that makes sense shared paths not not certified i take it it used to always be certified so this is its first year back after um covid so it took a while to get it back going and i remember it used to be certified with the previous um organizers but i'm not sure if it is this year my watch did come in 200 meters short but that could have just been me cutting corners but um you can come up short yeah probably shouldn't come up short ever should it um and i did run i had stopped to go to the toilet at one stage there so i did run off the course a bit to find a, a tree to go behind so 
Um, yeah, it was good. Good to get amongst the people. Good to get a long run in. Hey? You win? Nah, I think I was like 10th or something. I think it was one in like 2 hours 30 something. 2 hours 38 maybe. Okay. Long way off that. So That's not that far off. Me. Yeah, a few minutes behind it halfway. If you would have got some Didn't few juices surging. Didn't see them to be honest. Like it was one of those kind of like, yeah, courses which twist and turned and didn't see him after probably oh three or four k, but yeah, when the gun went, you are right. I was like, oh, I could be up in that lead pack, but just checked the ego and just um just chilled out and had some fun out there. So a lot of listeners in that part of the world too, Shepparton, got some good listeners down there, some good Patreon supporters. So well, Zaka Zaka did say that if they weren't listeners before that you ran into them, they would be after the way you carried on about the podcast. I was just yapping the whole way to these fellas. Like, oh, actually, one of them come up to me at one stage. Like, we're about, the longer the race went, the, like, the looser and more comfortable we, we got with each other. So, um, and then one of them, I reckon, at 30K, was just like, oh, by the way, just because I've got you here and we're talking about podcast stuff, I just want to let you know that I agree with you that 15 degrees up at the Gulf Coast Marathon is hot. So I just want to let you know that you are the correct one in that argument you have with Moose about what is a hot temperature or not. Hey, Moose. Like, thanks, imagine th- Good on you. Three, three hours of this. You know how Brady said that, that guy fell off on the second lap? I reckon it was on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I did feel bad because hey, I always just kept yapping at it. just got to tie my shoe. His goal was 254, which is the pace Brady's running. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a few minutes today. I'll just go 257 just to yeah, have some peace and quiet. No, he ran 254. I just stayed with him. Like, that's why it was actually like usually when you pick it up on a long run, but we kind of slowed down a bit. And I was just like, I'm just not going to dog this bloke and leave him in the last 10K. So I just stayed with him and just kept yapping to, to Scott on the bike. And we had some good chats, solved all the problems of track and field. And yeah, got to the finish line. Um, yeah, it was good fun. 151k for the week, so just chipping away. Can't wait for Burnley Half Marathon on the weekend just to get a bit of an indication of what kind of shape I'm in. Are going to have a big crack at it? Uh, I think I'll probably go out at 67 dead pace and see how that feels. What's that per k? Mm, 310-ish, wouldn't it? Something like that. 312, mm. somewhere like that. So, yeah, just to see if that's kind of where I'm at or I can find something in the second half just what do you reckon it, it'll be one in 65 low last year wasn't it depends who has a crack and it's hard off the week after nationals to see who actually is going to have a crack so I actually can't think of anyone who's like don't know don't know really Andy's not running I don't know if Lockie Hurd would do a serious half marathon Seth Cashin? Seth O'Donnell, Liam Cashin's probably no, never done a half marathon in his life. Can't see him debuting here. Yeah, could be anyone's. Archie might win it. He's fit at the moment. There you go. Don't know. Toby nearly won it last year. He was on the podium, wasn't he? Reese Edwards might have a crack. He's getting into shape. Yeah, yeah he's done all right. See, yeah, don't know. Talk about that next week. Let's say some Patreon supporters, eh? Who you got, Croaks? Uh, I've got George Seymour. George is from Thurnby in uh, the UK. And according to his Power of 10 profile, he's run 15.40 for 5K, 34.16 for 10K, which was the at the 2022 uh, Prestwold 10K, 73.37 at the 2022 Leicestershire Half Marathon and 2.52 at this year's Manchester Marathon. And I'm pretty sure he's a dev ops engineer. So that's a combination of software development and operations so thanks for your support george thanks george who you got moose 
Uh, I have Ben Ludbrook. So little Luddy's known him for a while. I reckon 2016 we opened the store and had this little uh, tiny little kid roll in, this little nerd, back when he was probably about three foot high. He's from Miner's Rest, which is just outside Ballarat. Um, according to World Athletics, he's run 8.45 for 3K, 14.50 for 5K, and 31.10 at last year's Gold Coast 10K. He runs for Eureka, but he is coached by the, um, the bad boy of running in Victoria. Toby Mende coaches him. Does he? Actually, yeah, I should start hitting him up for... Uh, He's not on the run strong books. What's going on there? Is the cashy on the sides? Yeah, I don't know about this. I don't know about this little setup. I'm gonna to have to rein that in, I reckon. Um, he's recently added TV in his bedroom for Netflix and chill sessions with the ladies. That's some inside word from Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff, actually. Good, good job, like. Uh, he's starting to be a physio. Works at running company Ballarat. Um, and he was, yeah, he was the apprentice to Toby back in the day when we had the store. And now I think he's, um, I don't think he's reached, uh, yeah, I don't think he's left his apprenticeship yet, actually. Still toiling away. There's no apprenticeship in shoes, is there? Of course there is. It's like a traineeship, internship, maybe. Is Unofficial. It? Yeah, unpaid. I had Luddy there two years without pay. <laughs> unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't surprise me, Moose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to thank uh, Justin Perkins. I actually bumped into Justin yesterday. He won the 10K at the Shepparton Running Festival. And he this, was... Wait up. Wait. <laughs> this is a brilliant way to get a, your race result up. No, so, so you don't think we're living in a simulation. Listen to this. Croaks did these show notes. I bumped into Justin yesterday, and then I log on to the agenda today. And who am I thanking? Justin Perkins. What are the chances of that happening? <laughs> Seriously. So he's played it well. He's played it well. He's, this is, yeah, this is a very high coincidence. He's also pacing the three-hour group at Sydney, he was telling me yesterday. So big responsibility on Justin at Sydney Marathon. If you're running uh, Sydney, want to break three hours, Justin's your man. He ran 34.56 yesterday in the 10K to get the win. Uh, he lives in Yarrawonga, which for uh, you guys, remember I was telling you after Gold Coast, we went away for a few days to a place called Mawela. That's where Yarrawonga is, same spot. Um, so on the big, uh, big lake there, estimated best for 10k is 35.06, but he just broke that yesterday. Um, that was when he finished fourth in the city to city 15k race in Aubrey with Donga. He also set a half marathon PB en route to his 238 marathon at the Gold Coast this year, coached by Blake Hose. See one of your coaches, Moose? Fucking hell. Yeah, well, he is, but this bloke's not a run. He's not a run stronger. <laughs> not on the books either. Our coaches are just rogue, going rogue on us. Doesn't Blake have his own little website? Oh, but he must have something else going on. Maybe you don't pay him enough, Moose. <laughs> Certainly not run strong. Shit. Yeah, no, Justin's a good bloke. He's, kind of, he's the kind of guy you want in your books too. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a real good fella. Real good fella. Um, so it was good to see his face yesterday. Have you got anything else here to talk about, Croaks? I no, think that's, that's about it. Things about it. Did meet him at the Gold Coast initially too, so it was good to see him again yesterday. And I think actually his um, partner Bridget came third in the 10K yesterday as well. So well done to her. Was wearing a fresh pair of Super Blast as well, I reckon, if my memory serves me correctly. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for supporting the Inside Running Podcast. Uh, content is king, and we've been putting a bit of content out the last week. I think last week, 
The weekly show went for two hours. Christian Crokes and I spoke about the World Champs, which went for an hour, and then the Road to Berlin Boys spoke for like an hour and 45 minutes. So plenty of content on Patreon if that's what you're after. Or if you just want to keep the lights on at the Inside Running Podcast, um, that's how you do it. Patreon.com forward slash Inside Running Podcast. Plenty coming at you. And very close to finalising the next Road 2 series. Got two locked in, waiting on the third, which should be uh, should be good for thinking ahead, doing some planning, which is rare for this show. Hmm. Anything you want to say there, boys? I'll just leave them hanging. Thank you. Thank you to those three. Can we announce um, the uh, which event? It's a road to where? Not yet, because I'm not, not yet. sure where they're going yet. <laughs> two, oh. two of them might be going to one place, and one of them might be on another place, but on the same day. Are they locked in? Are they signed contracts? Well, one of them, yeah. Just I'm not going to say anymore. Two of them. Two of them have signed. Two of them's verbal commitment is all we need. Male, female. One male, one female at this stage. Mm. Both represented Australia recently. Olympics? One been to the Olympics, other... Oh, no, actually, both haven't represented Australia. One, One's Australian and others from another country. That's all I can say at this stage. But both have been to the Olympics? Uh, no, one's been to the Olympics. Depends if I can get this third one. The third one's the one I'm working on. Did you see the third one on the weekend, Crokes? Uh... Briefly. Okay, good. Well I, don't, well, I don't even know because you haven't told me who they are, but I'm, I'm assuming... You yeah. know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we've, yeah, we'll get him across the line. This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Reimagine stability. New 4D guidance system provides adaptive and on-demand stability, supporting runners in every step of their run. Softer landings. New pure gel technology for enhanced shock absorption, softer landings and smoother transitions. More cushioning. New lightweight FF blast plus eco cushioning and an increased four millimeters in stack height means an even more comfortable ride. A lighter footprint for a brighter tomorrow. The Gel Kayano 30's carbon footprint is 14% lower than the industry average, a study conducted by MIT. Visit ASICS.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. Um, let's go to your place on the weekend, Croaks. Canberra National Cross Country was on. Do you want to... Uh, hey, it looked dry. It looked dry and sandy. I was watching the live stream. Paid my $9.99, even though it was advertised as $6.99. <laughs> Moose 20 promo code did not work. But, um, yeah, I watched the drone footage. Couldn't see who was who, but unless they had, like, a massive mullet, like uh, Seth O'Donnell and Ed Goddard, you could easily distinguish those two. But um, look dry up there, Croaks, and sandy. Oh, it's more like I wouldn't say it's super dry. It's more just the through the seasons, the color of the grass sort of changes. So I think it was more the yeah, the color of the grass looked like it was super dry. But it was like yeah, it was a nice surface for running. Um, to be honest, like I like I was there watching the race, but I didn't move around the course as much as I normally would because I was sort of busy like wrangling kids. Um, kids just aren't quite old enough to be uh, taken to a cross-country event, I, I realised on the weekend. Um, but, yeah, so Jack Rayner, uh, like there was a pretty big pack like early on. Um, and then, you know, on the last lap, it was pretty much Jack had like a small gap where Andy was in second and you're like, oh, I wonder if Andy can get him... And it wasn't until 
they came from the bottom section of the core. So probably about a K to go um, when they came up the hill. Like and um, Jack had like yeah a lead that we knew that he'd be able to hold to the end. So he won in 30:01. Andy was second in 30:07, and Ed Marks was third in 30:15. Um, yeah, any thoughts from what you saw? Yeah, I thought Andy was pulling him back at one stage. Probably uh, Jack put in the huge surge down the hill, didn't he, Moose? And destroyed yeah. that whole group other than Andy. And it was then... off the um, it was off the steep pinch. Yeah, he went. He yeah. moved to the front of the pack up the steep pinch, and you could see he was he was trying to shake him. And then that downhill, like it, it's pretty clever because that tight U-turn, the, the everyone bunches up, and you have to kind of almost go like single file to get around properly. And so the only person that can really match is the person in second, maybe in third. So he can drop the whole pack with one move if he does it right. And he, it was tactically pretty – it was brilliant, really. Yeah. And then Andy was just trying so hard to close that gap that it felt like when he got close enough to get to him, Jack just moved away again, which was maybe a strategy. Like if someone can close it, then save your next surge for when that happens. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he wins a lot of races. I'm not sure why none of us tipped him. Well, because... well, he wasn't on the start list. No, he oh. was when we did the show last week. But he wasn't when I so, – so, yeah, so just to clear something up from last week, when no. I put all those names down in the agenda, it was more me just going through the start list and just putting the names that I thought would be competitive. I wasn't ranking them. But then when I did that, Jack's name wasn't on the start list. So I'm pretty sure he was like a late entry. Yeah, he okay. was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were your tips if anyone asked, though. When you, put them, when you put them there on the agenda, we read them out. Um, I think because Jack didn't have an amazing season in Europe to his high standards, but he was still running like 1335s, and probably those guys can't run 1335s like the rest of them. This is an Australian record holder in the 10K. I know, yeah. But we, yeah, do you know what I mean, though? We maybe just slept on him a bit because we expect him to go over there and run 1310. Well, I didn't realize he was running. I would have put him. I would have put. I would have had him as favorite if, like, I was on. You know, if his name was on the start list when yeah. I was doing Brady, it. Brady, you were the only one who knew, and you didn't pick him. It was on the agenda last week. There was a link to the start list. Hmm. I was going off Croaks's picks. Croaks <laughs> leave him out. But you can see why he did it because I think this is one of the first years where they've had like prize money for National Cross, and it was like good prize money. It was yeah, something like four thousand bucks. Four, four grand for first. I was like. A no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't Jack fly up here to pick up some, you know, pretty easy money for him? Well, he's on a different level, though, isn't he? Like, that was well, it was almost like a domestic, amazing domestic field, and he's like well-credentialed. The Probably. course, the course is too runner-friendly mm. for it to for Andy to, yeah. to to have the upper advantage there. I reckon I called that in our message group like two k in. I'm like, this does not mm. suit Andy. They were Jack, Jack, Jack beat Andy at, at World Cross? Nah. No? Nah. nah. It went Kai and then Brett and Andy come in together. Okay. Yeah. But I think yeah, so that, that Jack sort was of course, maybe injured. That Bathurst sort of course definitely suits Andy more. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, women's race, it was very similar. Like, there's a really big pack for a long time. And I, I remember commenting to somebody that, like, you knew the pace wasn't on because there was a lot of girls there that if the pace was on, like, they wouldn't have been there for that long. Um, and you could just sense, like, 
Jen was pretty much doing the same as like she did at um, Sunshine Coast Half, like was basically just doing enough to be at the front of the race without actually leading um, and then was able to really sort of accelerate in that last K, um, K to win. So she ran, uh, yeah, 34.43 for the win. Leanne Pompiani was second, 34.50, and Holly Campbell was third in 35.04. So, um, yeah, good to see Holly Campbell back after having to, like, pull out a world cross um, due to injury pretty much like the week before. Um, yeah. Yeah, this was a – this was kind of – it was Jen's to lose, I reckon, given that Leanne has been injured. And, and there was an article today that um, she mentioned that she'd had three weeks off running, basically. Uh, and she's had a long-term injury. And so she's sort of come back and she's barely run a step in three weeks, it, it says. So she did not, like, I think if she was running this race when she was fitter, I don't think those first two laps go at the pace that they, they did. And that's the only way to beat Jen at the moment, isn't it, is to, is to have the pace fast early. And even then, it's like Jen can still compete with that. So I... Yeah, Leanne did all that she could to beat her. She, like she, she didn't wait around at the um, mm-hmm. for for the last two hundred or something. Like she went to the front and she made it as hard as she could make it, given her her limited build up for this one. Um, yeah. But in in like there should be a lot of girls out there watching what Jen's doing in these racing races and think, okay, like we're not going to let this happen every race because she's fucking good at what she does. Like we, we have to make it different out there. We have to do something to beat her because mm. nothing's beating her right now. The, the problem she, with, yeah, oh, sorry, Musco. Well, she's on. just the queen right now. Like she, 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 she's just winning it. She's winning mm. everything that she, she enters basically. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pretty, been an impressive comeback and she's done it a little more slowly than some of the others, but she's reached a higher peak at the moment. I think one of the reasons why she's so unbeatable, one, like, obviously the tactics, but if you look at her as a runner, like, she doesn't really have a weakness. Like, she's got enough speed that if she's there uh, coming from the track, like, if she's there with 100 to go, she's probably going to outkick the pure distance runners. But then her strength component, which up until, like, recently you'd, you'd maybe question because she was more of that sort of 3K steeple, 5K, not really that much longer, but now... She's proven that she can run a good marathon and, and will continue to improve over the marathon. So that indicates that her strength's good, but she's still got that really good speed. So she's a really versatile versatile athlete. Yeah, but she still doesn't have the PBs of some of the other girls, like over the longer stuff, like the, the half and the 10. Like maybe they will come, maybe they're just waiting to happen. But you like I would think like her weakness now is, a, is a, from, a, from the gun to the tape, a very fast race with no surges, just flat to the, like pedal to the floor the whole way. That that would be what I would consider uh, her weakness. And the only what, the reason I'm saying that is because we haven't really seen that from her before in anything over a maybe a, a five to 10K. Mm. Yeah, I, I think her strength's definitely improved. And, and like those PBs over the longest, distances i don't think they're a true reflection of like where she is now and where like where she's going to be in in a few months time yeah she she loves to win she knows how to win uh she she makes her break and she makes it very clear i thought her and rainer 
they are probably like the the two most experienced winners within the the whole fields, and they they just executed their winning move perfectly, both of them. Yeah, tactically very good. Let's stay domestic croaks before we go to Budapest Adelaide Marathon. Uh, yeah, so just do the winners here for the marathon and the half. So um, Tara Palm won the women's marathon in 2.48 and Fraser Darcy won the men's in 2.24 flat. In the half, Eloise Wellings got the victory 73.12 and Jacob Cox won the men's in 65.01. And then just heading over to Perth, um, Perth City to Surf. Uh, this has been a you know pretty iconic event. Like I remember... Back in the day, a lot of people were flying over from like New South Wales and Victoria for yeah, this that's event. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really popular event for um, people on the on the east coast. Um, and then they used to put a, then they changed it to lots of different events. They think they had like mm. a half marathon, but now they've gone back to sort of the roots of like a 12k. And so Matt Smith got the win in 36.49, and Sinead Noonan won the women's in 41.55. Two and a half k prize money. Adelaide, one and a half k for the um, the half. That's got to be an increase. Yeah, and and I remember reading somewhere they had a pretty good like elite athlete mm. sort of support system this time around as well. So doing some good things down there in Adelaide. It's going to become a player for domestic runners. Yeah, I wonder though. Like this is more of a big question. We've got the world champs on, so like obviously Australian athletes are there. We've got National Cross on and Adelaide Marathon and Perth's biggest fun run all on the same weekend. No, I haven't even mentioned Shepparton and Running Festival. Like, do we need <laughs> well, a, do we need to hook ahead and space these things out? And just today, I was told that City to Bay is the same weekend as Sydney Marathon Festival, which is the same weekend as Tan Relays for people in Victoria. Like, this isn't rocket science. Let's move some stuff around here and, like, collaborate and not put all these big events on the same weekends. Where – can you – did you see the first, second, third for the City to Surf? Uh, yeah, I did. I did have them. Are we did seeing, like – I've got Adelaide in front Nick of me, Menchie, second and third. Ben Chamberlain. What was that, sorry? Matthew we... Ramsden. See you back? Uh, no, Matt Ramsden wasn't there. What about Dean so, Yeah, you know the, the collection of the collection of um, like Perth athletes, like um, Nick Harmon, Menzies, Chamberlain. Nick Harmon, that's a name from the past. Mm. Yeah, so they're they're not at National Cross, are they at City to Surf? Or like it's WA has sort of fallen off a little bit in terms of like we were talking about that state being a real player, especially with the marathoners with Menzies and um and Nick Harmon coming through running two. I'm going to say he ran 2.40. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just bring it up. I've got it here now. So... Dean Menzies ran well at Gold Coast. Didn't he run 2.78? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. yeah. So he was... A... So he's yeah, still but... progressing, yeah, okay. yeah. But Nick Harmon, Engine... I think, had a long-term injury, hasn't he? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I think because it was him and Tommy ran Fukuoka. Had his breakthrough. But even, like, so national, South Australia used to send, like, some strong teams for the cross-country. I don't... I couldn't... Didn't see anyone in the footage... Like, you know, when they send Riley Cox, Jacob Cox, yeah, yeah. Adrian Potter, um, like, because I think it's only four people that count, maybe. Like, they've, I think they've won National Cross the team section before. Yeah, they have. I remember we, we, we chatted about it one year, how, like, good South Australian running is going because mm, they're yeah. able to win like that. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't blame Jacob for staying local, winning $1,500 by winning the half, run 6501, decent time. 
Um, yeah. But if they weren't on the same weekend, maybe you get him both of them. Yeah. Ben Chamberlain was second in that race in 37-33, okay. and then Thomas Moorcroft was third in 38-26. Yep. Yeah. So um, Sinead Noonan's running well, though. Like, she finished third, didn't she? Sunshine Coast half. She did. Yep. PB. Mm. And Dean yep. Menzies was there, I reckon, wasn't he? Oh, was he? I reckon okay. he went across and ran Sunshine Coast, yep. Yep. Um, let's go to Budapest. Where do you want to start, Bradley? Do you want to start uh, 800s and just work our way up? It's probably it's probably easiest. I originally had them all um, in uh, yeah the order that they were run, but I think it's probably easier just to go with the eights and the fifteens, fives, steeples. Start by women's eights. Overseas listeners, there will be a very much an Australian trend to to these results. So if we whiz past something that you're not happy with, that's an international athlete, just just don't worry about it. Just don't have to email us. Just listen up. 800 women's strokes. This was an upset, wasn't it? I think Mo, uh, I think Mo was kind of their favourite, wasn't she? A little bit, yeah. Like, I guess based on what she's done in the past, like she's the Olympic champion, but she hasn't raced a lot this year. Like, she ran the US trials um, but only did the 15 because she didn't have to qualify for the eight because she's the defending world champion, so they get a, a wild card or a free entry. Um, but she put it on the line like she went to the front went through the first lap pretty quick and then actually tried to like even break them even further up down the back straight on the second lap um but got into the, like the home straight and uh yeah Mora and Hodgkinson were able to go go past her quite easily so Mora who's the Commonwealth Games champion she won in 156.03 um, Hodgkinson was second, 156.34, and then Athingmo was um, third, 156.61. So uh, from an Aussie point of view, uh, we had yeah, Ellie Sanford. She was running out in the heats. Uh, Abby Caldwell and Katrina Bissett, they made them through to the semifinals. Uh, I thought Caldwell ran really well in the semis. Like she, I thought tactically she put herself in the right spot, and she only missed by like one spot. Um, on making the final um so she was yeah she was pretty impressive i thought don't know if you guys saw any of the 800s i saw the heats think i missed the semis it's been a bit hard trying to catch up on everything i didn't too busy i didn't see it no anyway from an aussie point of view i think corwell yeah was like the standout performer there in terms of how she um yeah ran in in the semi um cat wasn't really sort of in the picture um, to to qualify at at any point during that sort of semi final, which is a big thing because she's doubled. Yeah, You're saying she's the best out of the three of them, and she's the only three one of the three who's doubled from the fifteen, so she's a bit more tired, and she's yep. a lot younger. Yeah, interesting. Men's eight hundred that was also this morning. Uh yep. So Marcus Arop he got the win one forty four point two four. Emmanuel Yanyon uh, Yanyonyi. Uh, was second in 144.53, and Ben Patterson from the UK was third in 144.83. Um, A-Rop was just, yeah, like a clear-cut winner, really. Um, he had it sort of sewn up down the home straight. Um, yeah, so we had, uh, yeah, we spoke about this actually on our recap last week, Brady. So um, Riley McGowan and Peter Boll um, both got ran out of the heats. Uh, I thought Pete Boll was like quite poor tactically like the one thing that he did really well in tokyo last year was every single round he put himself in a position 
to win or at least to run to the best of his ability. And I thought going into this championship, he'd run like a, what, 334, 1500 and a low 144, 800. So I thought he was in pretty good shape, but he just was always sort of towards the back. And then with 250 to go, he just had too much work to do. And to have to then go around the field on the bend, um, then he got sort of checked a little bit. It just wasn't the, it wasn't the Peter Bowl of, of Tokyo. Um, yeah. And obviously a bit's happened in his life the last six months. Yeah, months. true. Like I but wondered he... the mental toll. But he looked fit, yeah. He looked yeah. fit and he was putting times on the board that indicate he's fit. Yeah. And then Deng, uh, he made it through to the semis. He actually led through the bell um, of his semifinal, uh, but then faded pretty badly. I think he ran like 147 or 148 um, in that semifinal. Just a Deng. side note, whoever's in charge of Joseph Deng should really like take take the Instagram password off him. Well, is it's... It, uh, is it still up? It's still still up. I'm looking through it now. Like, I Are you not, kidding? It's, it's still, all up. still up, yeah. Well, James James Templeton's his manager. Yeah, I I, think, I thought, he doesn't control his Instagram though. No, no, but if you're if you're somebody's manager, like mm. you got to remember, you, the manager's there to protect the person's brand. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's it's not a good look. It is brand very is much. getting brand is getting hurt right now. It is yeah. <laughs> very much so. And I don't get why he's got beef with Jakob. Like Jakob wouldn't have a clue who Joseph Deng is. Would you should provide some context, Brady. Okay. So, yeah. Because the listeners are like, what are these blokes Sorry. on about? Joseph Deng did a post after the World Champs, and his caption of his photo was, World Champs done, had a good crack, but got beaten by better men tonight. No excuses about a sore throat. In reference to Jakob saying he got beaten in the 1500 because he was a bit sick. And then some, I'd assume, Jakob fans have then piped up in his comments and said, um, it got it back to Jakob a bit. And then... Joseph Deng has replied to them with some, what I would say is inappropriate comments back and probably got sucked into, um, yeah, back and forth with people he should not be getting sucked into, um, having back and forth with. And there was, yeah, some inappropriate comments, uh, yeah, going back and forth, which I think he's better than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know him? I don't know him, to be honest. You had a conversation with him before? Well, there was some, there's some, no, I haven't, but I think, you'd exp, I don't know, you've made an Australian team. Do they sit you down and say, hey, maybe don't drop the C-bomb in like comment replies to, to trolls on Instagram comments? Like I, I can't remember doing anything maybe like that. Don't, don't, don't maybe reference like, um, you know, explicit content with people's mums in comments, mm. replies. There's like, some homophobic shit in there too, wasn't there? I think so, yeah. Like, yeah, I cannot get over that. That would just let slip. That's four days ago. But anyway, well, I, ran with, I, I, I was running with Ali, and I, I'd show, I showed her those posts and those comments, and she's like, "Oh, we go through so much training to like <laughs> get told never to do this stuff." Mm. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think AA could potentially like sanction people for that, like as part of their team, like bringing the sport into disrepute and that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I, I'm surprised it's all still up there, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, that's why I just searched it, because I saw they were talking about the result. I thought, oh, I better check if it's still there. Totally expecting it to be all gone. I did assume that um, someone would have yeah, taken that down by now. Not a good look. But anyway, let's move on. Women's 1500. Keep Yagon just doing her thing, Croaks. 354.87. Yep. Can you go through the rest of the results? Uh, yeah. Well, Taji, she was second from Kenya, I think, in three, or Ethiopia. 
Uh, Ethiopia. 355.69. Safan Hassan, 356.00. She just controlled it. This was yeah. just class. She just wound it up. 62nd third lap, 57 last lap. Sub 200, uh, sorry, sub two minute last 800. Jess Hull was seventh in 359.54. I'm putting you on the spot, Croaks. Where did Jess Hull finish at Tokyo? Sixth, uh, eighth, it was, somewhere no, think it was around just, there? I think it was, uh, oh, yeah, good question. I think she finished maybe seventh at the World Champs last year. Yeah. Anyway, for people at home, top eight at these kind of Olympics World Champs is always a big thing and, in, you know, often includes different funding levels and stuff. And I think Jess Hull coming seventh when you're including people like Kip Yagon and Hassan in front of you, doesn't leave a lot of spots, is an amazing result. Yeah. And it's just what we expect from Jess now, isn't it? You just kind of expect her to be there and Kip Yagon just proving she's on a different level. Question about, and I won't ask the question about Safan Safan Hassan, yet I'll ask that after we talk about the 5k men's 1500. We got to talk about this. We kind of had a have, haven't we? Well, we well not with Moose, no, not with Moose. We and yes, yeah, so we've only spoken about it on that bonus show. I did put the first like 15 minutes of that on everywhere. So if you yeah. haven't listened to that, you can listen to that. And Christian and Croaks do a deep analysis on that. But Moose, what do you think of it? Do you like seeing Inga Britson get done? Yes, yes. I did like it. and. You could just tell he was having flashbacks. And, you know, like the whole uh, choking, we call it choking, don't we? When someone's coming in just paying a dollar nine, a dollar nine favorite. And he's in the right spot with 150 to go, with 100 to go. He's in the right spot. He's choked it. That's what's happened there. And he's made himself a villain and he's given himself an even bigger target. He's talked shit for a few, well, months. He's sort of, he said that, like, no one's at my level. Uh, there's going to be some, like, these men, I don't know what the con- translation was, something about, like, other idiots out there that are not running well. And he's, he just made himself a target. And it's the 1500. It's an pr- unpredictable race. I said to Toby, we're talking about, we're going through the odds on the way home one night. And I'm like, don't, do not bet on the 1500. That shit is unpredictable. Um, I, I, there's just too many guys out there. There's just too much argy-bargy. All it takes is any Britson to go down. And Toby was going to put, I think he was going to put a 1000 bucks or something on Inga Britson. Because oh. like, I, I, I was about to say to you, what, you'd to be win mad. 90. You, yeah, you'd be mad to put any money on Inga Britson at $1.09, given it's the oh, 1500 crazy. But also, like, we've seen... The way that he wins like 1500 meter races is when it's like, yeah, 151 through 800, where he's got a pacemaker there for that first part. And it just takes the sting out of those 800 meter guys. And, you know, in a championship, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't go from the gun, doesn't run 151, goes through 154, which keeps the, um, you know, guys like Kerr and Whiteman, who are probably faster over 800, keeps them in the game for that last 150. Mm. Yeah, so I like watching it. I like watching him get beat. I love the energy from Kerr. He's mm. a he's a big time performer. Kerr, he knows how to get it done. Uh, what was that other race? He ran a he won a, bo- a bronze at um, Tokyo, yeah, didn't Tokyo. he? Tokyo. Yep. Yeah, yep. That he gets diff- it right at the right time. Yeah, and the difference with Kerr though, he's got a lot of self belief, but I think he doesn't go across the line of arrogance. 
Whereas Ingebrigtsen has a ton of self-belief to the point that he's just arrogant. And like we'll chat about it more after the 5K, but I listened to an interview with him after the 5K. And even now, he just doesn't even acknowledge Kerr. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to the 5K. I think Josh Kerr spoke about it in his podcast as well. Christian sent through a little snippet of it this morning, um, the Sit and Kick podcast. So there might be... Yeah, here in his perspective as well. Do you listen to that? It was about how they were waiting in the call room. Yeah. I've only hadn't, just... hadn't rocked up and then Nord, they were asking Nordans to call him. And he's just like, yeah, nah, he's not going to be answering my phone. Cool. I've only listened to the yeah clip that Christian sent through, but I will at some point listen to that full episode. Yeah. Women's 5K, keep your egg on dinner again, 1453.8. Hassan nearly got her, 1454.1. Chibet. The uh, World Cross Country Champion was third in 1454.33. Solid first K, slow for the next two. Picked it up in the fourth K. Last K was in 240 with a 56 last lap. That is incredible, 56. Mm. All three Aussies, though, were run out in the heat. But Rose Davies was the best with a 15.07, which was just half a second off her PB. So a massive pass mark for Rose Davies there, Croaks. Yeah, no, Rose was really good. Um Jess Hull, she was also in the heats, and she um she was there for the first maybe two two and a half k, um but then dropped off, you know soon after that, and um, I think just the fifteen hundred meter races had just taken a toll, and I did hear her say in one of the one of her interviews after the five k was this is an area that she needs to be better at because you look at you know Kip Yagon um, and a lot of those girls that ran three rounds of the fifteen hundred. They were able to back up in the 5K heats and still run, you know, 14 in the well into the 1440s. So she just needs to get a little bit stronger at being able to back up and, um, you know, through these championships. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess we had, yeah, Lauren Lauren Ryan was also in the 5K, um, and so she didn't progress past the uh, past the heats. So the men's 5K, Jakob did get the win. This was in the early hours of this morning. Katir, he let him in the mm. straight, didn't he? Oh, let him do twenty about twenty meters to go. Thirteen point thirteen eleven point three zero to thirteen eleven point four four. Jacob Crop from Kenya was third, but was only one second behind, but he was kinda of like best of the rest. These two are out in front. The Ethiopians controlled the race, but it was pretty slow. Uh, there was nine or to ten of them at the bell. Katir made a move down the back straight. Jacob's last three laps were sixty one, fifty eight, fifty two for two twenty last kilometre. Um, Stewie was in the final. He fell in his heat but got reinstated for the final. He finished 13th in 1326. And Morgan McDonald was run out in the heats. Epic race, though, Croaks. I'm asking you every time because I assume you've watched every one of these races. Sorry, Moose. Yeah, I watched this one. This, I didn't watch it live, but um, yeah, it was always going to be interesting to see the tactics here. And I don't know, like, there's a, there's a listener question about this. I don't know whether we actually do the listener question now because um, I reckon it's a, it's a good one um, because you look at Jakob, he's, you know, he's the fastest 1,500-metre guy there, you know, with Katir, and you've got all of these um, Kenyans and Ethiopians that are capable of running, like, 1240 or, or even faster, but they allow it to be, you know, a 13-minute race, which just plays into... To Jakob's hand. So the question um, that came in today was, do you think we'll ever see a country racing to maximise gold medal chances for the country like what would happen in cycling? Ethiopia's best chance for gold in the 5K 
Um, surely would have been Gebruet and Kajelcha drilling it for 2k each, pacing Aragawi to a sub 12.50, rather than it being a sit and kick 13.11. Uganda sort of tried this in the 10k, but haven't fully committed to it. Um, and yeah, loved the 1500 meter recap last week as well. So that came in from Andrew Gattenby. Um, because that's the way I thought that uh, Inga Britson could be defeated, is making it fast from the start and, and maybe running it as a as a team as opposed to just three individuals from Ethiopia's point of view. Thoughts? Oh, yeah. I love it. And the 5K Definitely. is easier to pull off than a 10K because it's only 12 and a half laps. They're not going to let a guy get 70 metres ahead like they sometimes do in the 10K. Yeah. They used to do that back in, like, the Gebra Slassie era. Mm. Yep. They there was always going to be a teammate of Gebra Slassie, and he was like he had a job to do, and and that was to to, to look after Gebra Slassie's needs, whatever they may be, and and that's how you get it done again now. But perhaps like these different athletes have different agencies now, and the agencies are the ones that are pulling the strings and and giving the instructions more so than the federations are. And the sponsorship bonuses, like they could be with different brands and stuff. And you look at those well, three. Are. I mean. Yeah, they're individuals in a world mm. championships, right? Like, why should, why the fuck would I give up my race for someone else? Yeah. They, it, it's not a team sport. And they no. wouldn't even, I don't know if these guys are even training partners now because um, what's his name? The one that I was hoping was going to win. Because Christian Gidelcha. Tom. Yeah. Like, he's trained in America or something, isn't he? He was with well, Salazar back to. in the day, but... Who's he with now? I'm not sure. Well, I don't. I thought he was with Robbery for yeah, a while, but I don't think that he is. Yeah. I don't think so. I think he's gone somewhere different. Again, yeah, okay. But yeah, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes then, like back, I think in that Gabriel Celesi day, that might have almost been him and two of his training partners who make the team. Mm. Yeah. But then, like, the Ethiopians in this 5K were happily, like, sharing drinks and sponges and stuff like that. Um, but also, like, the Diamond Leagues, like, Aragawi doesn't have an issue, like, basically going to the front and, like, dragging it out for, like, a long period of time. I just thought, like... After the what? pace of drops, though. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. Different to do it with six laps to go than, like, ten laps to go. But but even still, they didn't really, like... You know, you look at um, Jakob's last three laps, like, 61 to 60... So it's only really 1,200, 1200 out that they've really got going. And that, that still plays into a 1,500-metre specialist hands. Yeah, yeah. I agree um, with yeah, but getting back to... You said to... the same about Mo Farah back in the day. Because he wasn't the best runner in some of those fives and tens, but he could yeah, just true. outkick everyone. Yeah, and look, who's to say, like, maybe Ingebrigtsen still wins, even if they do that. Mm. Um, but in terms of, like, Jakob's uh, interview after the 5K, somebody asked him about, oh, are you looking forward for a rematch with Kerr? And he's like, no. Nah, not really. He's just he's just the next guy. Like you know, when if people do a race and you fall over, somebody's got to win that race, and so he's just the next guy. Oh, and it was just. Do you really say that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much along those lines. And it's just like, dude, just I don't know. Like, admit you got beaten, and give the guy a bit of credit rather than just saying he only won because you weren't a hundred percent. Like, it's just I don't know. Like the problem Brooks with is fired you, up here, Moose. I love well, it. The problem yeah, with this guy is like the problem, well, no. The, the problem is, I used, to, I love this guy. Yeah, I started like no, training like we, him. We've renamed you Bradley Ingebrigtsen in one of our group chats. But at some point, like I think, because he's been so dominant from the time he was like 12, 13, the guy's just never learnt to lose. 
And it's coming across really badly now for him where, I don't know, like it's one thing to be a great runner, but I still think you can be a good bloke as well. And it just doesn't seem like he's coming across that way to me. Well, do you think because he's been in a high-performing um, environment from such a young age, he's probably missed out on a couple of those people skills as well? Like Possibly. Prob- probably hasn't been amongst a common man like Nordaz has because they love Nordaz over there, mm. whereas he's yeah. just got in the sport recently. But do you guys think he should actually acknowledge Josh Kerr or oh, basically? Yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah. you told me that, I couldn't believe it just two seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. Can't go say uh, Yeah, I know, it, I know what you're saying. He should be a good sport and say this guy's really good and better than him. But I just don't think he believes it, like, in his head. He's mm. like, I'm not going to say that because I don't believe that he is a better runner than me. He beat me on the day. I mean, you can't argue it. He can't argue with that. But he won't, he won't say this guy's better than me or, like, I'm worried about him because I don't think that he actually is worried about him again. Like, he doesn't think like that. Because yeah. so, it just goes back to Diamond Leagues now with, like, pacemakers, and he'll smash everyone. Well, what's his record against Josh Kerr? Like, 50 to 1? I think, yeah. I actually think there was a tweet I read. I wish I'd seen it. But, like, it did the field against Britson and it was something like, because Whiteman wasn't there, it was something like 67 to 1 against the whole field. Uh, 67 to 0 against the whole field. Yeah. Like, no one so in the field has beaten him. Yeah. He's, he's like, okay, like, I lost today. And maybe it's, it's a bit more emotion charged, and that's why, like, people got up. But, um, and, yeah, he could be a, a, a little bit of a choker. Like he could, maybe he doesn't handle the pressure as well as um, he thinks he does. But he is still a 67-1 now athlete against those guys. So I don't think he's, I don't think he needs to acknowledge that they're that they're better. They're not on his level, are they? No, I'm not saying he needs to acknowledge that they're better than him. But like, there's a lot of top athletes in the past that would have the mentality that they're better than everybody. But on the day that they lose, they're still gracious about it. And I don't feel like he's, he has been. I thought you said that he went over and said congratulations. Oh, it took a, ver- took a very long... It was more like Kerr went up to him in a way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. In- um, yeah. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be good to see what happens uh, as he comes back after this, whether he has been humbled a little bit. You well, said he- that it, it was different after the 5K? Uh, not... Well... Not really. Like, he's still certainly pretty arrogant. He, he was disappointed overall with the whole championship because he didn't feel like he was able to compete at his best, and that's always really important to him, he said. Um, and obviously he couldn't do that in the in the 1500. But one thing we haven't said on this show was it's also a common trend now that any time he loses a 1500, it's, I was sick. So mm. it happened in um, World Indoors, and it's happened again now. Now. So it's almost this common, like, even if he's not sick and he loses, now does he just keep saying that I was sick and I'm still the best? Did it Did it happen at Oregon as well? Uh, he didn't I don't say know sickness he... that time, did he? No, maybe he just di- didn't feel myself or something. Like, <laughs> didn't feel so, good. Like, um, it's. Th- did you read the thing? I, I read an article, I'm not sure, Christian may have posted it to us, about how Henrik... Um, came out and blamed the Norwegian Federation for him being sick, saying they didn't manage him well enough. And then going forward, they're going to take away all the control that the Federation has from his um, event preparations, and he's going to take it back totally. So 
Henrik's not going to allow them to have any say in what happens before the race, whether that means accommodation or food or or processes. Like, um, I thought Henrik's just gone on the offensive against the federation. Yeah. Well, didn't you you wrote in a um in a group chat that you feel like that the Ingebrigtsens are like it's never their it's always somebody you know somebody else's fault rather than them taking responsibility. Mm, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember reading that, but it, it does sound like that. Like, don't go quite in the group chat, Ecrox. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of that. <laughs> I'll go to jail. Man, that was that was the um, PG related post. That one. Version, yeah, Steeples Croaks and then Moose tells about the marathons. Uh, yeah, so women's steeple. Um, to be honest, I don't really get that up and about about the steeples. I generally fast forward the first like five laps and watch the last couple. But Winifred Yavi got the win in 8:54. This is the women's. Beatrice Chepkowicz, who's the world record holder, was second in 8:58, and Faith Cheritich was third in nine minutes flat. Uh, all three Aussie girls got run out of the heats. Um, but Cara Fan Ryan, she ran a PB of 9:29 in the heat. So I think any time you're running a PB at a major championship, it's a uh, it's a you know, good championship. Um, men's steeple, El Bacali was just too strong. I thought Germa, who's the world record holder, and is the Ethiopian 1500 meter record holder as well. Um, so he's like a uh, 329 guy. I thought he would um, really challenge El Bacali, but um, yeah, Elbacali was too strong over that last sort of 200 metres. He won in 803.53. Germa was second, 805.44. And Kibiwat was third in 811.98. Uh, Geordie Beamish from New Zealand finished fifth in 813, which I thought was a pretty good achievement given he's only started running the steeple like this year. That's a steeple recap. Huge women's marathon. Oh, no, men's. No, yeah, women's was first, wasn't it, Moose? That was Saturday afternoon our time was yeah women so it, like croke said 3 p.m great time you've gone straight from national cross into women's marathon i did <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's, it's a good day uh we haven't seen much on tv lately during like no marathons we're, we're not really in marathon season so it was nice to put one on the tv uh the race started out pretty slowly actually um big group of ladies we have three in there, Izzy, Bat Doyle, Lisa Waitman, Sarah Klein. Um, my prediction was that Lisa Waitman was going to have a good race because of how experienced she is at A, championships, and B, the heat. She's run well in the heat before, and C, um, it looked like she's been on a, a full-time sort of training camp up in Cairns, so she's been doing the right thing in terms of um, like the heat training, uh, getting out of a cold Melbourne that kind of thing. So none of them went with the front pack, which was uh, probably a good decision because the the winner of the race, Amane Shankuli, she's a 2.14 runner. And she's actually come home quite strongly and won this race in um, 2.24.23. So it was pretty much three Ethiopians just just battling in, in this. And they, they all look quite good. Um, Shankuli has that inside watch action. You, it's it's rare to see it, but she's got the watch ta- like done up so that it's on the inside, and so she's pretty easy to tell. Um, am I getting that right? Was that Shankuli that does that? Uh, I think that... I think so. I know yeah. what you mean. Like when they look, yeah, they have to like twi- twist their wrist around to see the watch. Such an unnatural thing, isn't it? Doing yeah. that. 
I'm like, how have you grown up doing that? Anyway, um, 224.23, so 10 minutes off a personal best, which kind of owes to the conditions a lot. Um, I think they went through in 75 minutes. So she's come home 69. That Am I right about that again? Sorry if I'm fucking this up. That's just off the top of my head. I reckon they went through in 75 minutes and come home in 69. It's good going in that heat. Yeah, yep. Um, so the, it was pretty close, really. Gotti Tom Gebra Slassie was sec, second, 224. Fatima Gadadi was 225 for third. Um, Lisa Waitman was 16th. Um, so she's run strongly. She ran 230.50. I've got a feeling she may have run it even or even a ball, like a, a negative split to run that. So that is very strong running. Um, Sarah Klein and Izzy, I'm pretty sure they ran together for a lot of the race. Sarah Klein's pipped Izzy, run 237.31. So seven minutes off her PB, which was exactly what Lisa Waveman was. Uh, Izzy Bat Doyle, 237.53. So what's that, 10 minutes off? Um, or about nine or 10 minutes off for Izzy. So pretty, when you look at the women's winner, it was pretty consistent. I think Lisa's probably... Lisa and Sarah have probably had the best runs there as running to their potential. Um, top 20 at World Champs, very strong. So kudos to Lisa there. Yeah, she knows how to nail a marathon. Yeah, yeah. I wonder though, like it's the World Champs, such a big undertaking going and running a hot marathon when she's at the level she's at. Like, um, well, She's I, safe though. She's safe, yeah, yeah. So, so you, can I mean, do, you can do represent your country kind of stuff and don't have to chase the time and or cash. Yeah. yeah. And, Paris is, and Paris is likely to be hot as well. Um, she did say, like, the reason why she was pretty even split was, like, she'd done, a bit of, she'd done about four weeks of training in Cairns, and so she didn't train in, like, the same heat they had because it was getting close to 30 degrees by the end, whereas, you know, in Cairns, she's probably training in, like, 24, 25 degrees. And so she felt like 330s per K was about, you know, where she thought she could be in the heat. And so that's obviously the pace that she sort of went out at. Um, But she also said that one thing that she'll try and focus on for the next prep is taking on the nutrition in the heat because that was also a different... um, experience for her where she started to feel like a little bit sick at times which she puts down to the heat and the nutrition which obviously when you're doing the doing the fast marathons in the cold that's not a that's not an issue taking on the nutrition yeah yeah it's it does affect your ability to absorb that stuff i know you've got to cut it a fair bit if it's really warm i can Um, see why lisa and sarah were there like but i think izzy's the odd one that went to world champs because yeah. she, she's going to be, I think, you know, Lisa's kind of that lock we're talking about for Paris. Sarah Klein would be stoked that she's representing Australia at a World Champs, but probably not in that same conversation of ladies we're thinking about who are going to go to Paris. But Izzy probably is in that conversation. But now, like, I think I read her post on Strava, and she was like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done, ended up in the medical tent. Like, unless you're going to go there in the heat and run a top 10, top 15, um, which could be in the policy because sometimes it is isn't it for the olympics they'll say hit this time and or be i think yeah it used to be i'm not sure if it is i think it is still like a top top eight or something remember when jess went and came was jess eight at london world champs 
She finished really high one year. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So maybe she was thinking, I'll go through that avenue. Um, but now, yeah, you think they're going to be harder to bounce back from and kind of wipes out a Melbourne, Sydney for her, but then she'll go to Valencia instead. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then again, but then again, there's those athletes that just value an Aussie singlet. Mm. And any time you get the opportunity to, to run for Australia, they, they want to jump at it because that's it. That, you, you never know when you're going to get another opportunity. Izzy has been to the Olympics, though. Yeah. I do. No, I respect the fact she went to the she went and represented Australia at the World Championships. Who knows what happens with your career? Yeah, like this is it. You don't. I mean, when you're at. Well, the flip side is the men's. We turn the TV on the next day and there's nothing to look at because there's no Australian men's. Yeah, yeah, but like you just don't know what's going to happen. So it would be a very hard move to turn down an Aussie singlet. Mm. Uh, yeah. So men's marathon. This was a great watch, actually. I really liked how this this race played out. Uh, it was pretty carnage up front. It was pretty warm. Guys went out, um, again, relatively pedestrian. So there was a big pack. There was one Mongolian who went off the front, um, sort of messed up the broadcast a little bit. <laughs> uh, no idea why he did that. Um, but it, 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 just, it just started to heat up. Um, throughout the race so it was just like screws getting turned like the whole way um there was a i thought the ethiopians looked the best within this group and i thought tola looked really good and gebra selassie uh funnily enough you can look really good at 30k but still look absolutely horrendous at, at 35 which is where we saw tamarat tola the defending champion and the um headline act for city marathon um he was he basically started jogging and then he ended up pulling out. Um, but the winner, Victor Kap- Kipla- Kiplunga from um, Uganda, this guy didn't open his mouth the whole way. Yeah. This guy was nose breathing out there. That's how I knew he was going to go all right because he didn't even open his mouth to show any type of like <laughs> distress to the effort. Mm. Um, he, w- he, he, was, he didn't look as good in his gait as, as Gebra Selassie did. But he just continued to turn screws. And he was the one on the front making the moves happen. Uh, so, yeah, he, he won the race. He, he ended up um, beating second place, which was Maru Teferi, who actually had a fall about 5K out from the finish line and had to regain positions that he had lost. So he, um, he came back and, and out-sprinted Gebra Selassie with, well, he wasn't even a sprint in the end. He basically went around Gebra Selassie and he offered no resistance. So he was second. Um, and then, yeah, Gebra Selassie came over for 209.19 for third place. The winner ran 208.53. Just good good balling out there from the, the, the lads, I reckon. Mm. Some good action in and out of the drink stations too. Some moves getting made. Oh, there's some, some very bad um, runners. Like when I say bad runners, like, Guys that cannot hold their line. And the one Ugandan literally went from the back of the pack and just cut across everyone and tripped the Kenyan and then fell over himself. His name was Kissa. Um, and then, like, he had no reason to be doing that. And he ended up out the back. It was, yeah, it's like people were just making some terrible decisions later on. Kip Langat's also the Commonwealth Games champion, so he knows how to win a marathon. Yeah. Um, Thoughts on uh, thoughts on Tola. So I know that he's down to run Sydney Marathon in what three weeks, um, and he's the headline. If, 
if I was Sydney Marathon, like I'd be pretty filthy about this. So he obviously started to struggle at 35k. And then I messaged you, Moose, saying, like, he's gonna he looks like he's gonna collapse. Like he looked terrible from at about 37k. And then they told us afterwards that he pulled out just before 39k. Like, surely you don't back up in three weeks' time and run a good marathon here in Sydney. No, well, and, you know, it, most ma- most contracts for elite runners, you would think, oh, well, I know, I'm pretty confident that they do have clauses in that they don't have other marathons, like, within a month because it it, it reduces their, um, <laughs> their capacity to run well. And they're, they're there as a highlight, right? Yeah, exactly. You're paying good money to get the guy out here. And it's, you know, he's not out here to just sign an autograph or two. Like, you know, he wants, you want to make a spectacle of the event. And I'm sure Sydney Marathon would love to have some fast times run on that course to get even more internationals over here and and more of the elite guys. I can't see him running a super quick time now after the way he looked at 38K. No, it's almost like it's, uh, he's taken the piss a bit with that. And, and like, that's a big fee. Mm. It's a big fee. And I guess if you're in that platinum label athlete and the race needs you, then you can pull the strings a little bit. You can be the one with the, um, the bargaining chip. Yeah. Because there's only five in the men's elite field. Just got to open now. Tola, Guillet, um, Welligan, and Kibet, and then Brett Robinson. Yeah. So if you take out Tola... And you take out, there's, I don't know what you guys have heard about Brett Robinson's shape, form, calf. Strava's been very quiet. Like, you're down to three, potentially. Mm. And then Big yeah. Moose comes through, Crokes. Top yeah. five at a, at a gold <laughs> label marathon. Boom. Straight Moose, Moose, when you, when you Scalping run... Scalping Toller and Brett Robinson. When you run past Toller, what are you going to say to him? Mate, should have pulled out at 21K at World Champs. Yeah, I'll learn the Ethiopian word for pussy. <laughs> hey, I watched you on TV last week, you fucking bitch. A gold digger. 39K. There's only 3K left, mate. He got out before any of the damage was done. Same Did you see him? Did you see how he looked? There was plenty of damage him. done. Maybe it was just tempoing. 39K at 95% marathon pace. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does at Sydney. Or if they've got a receipt, get some money back. I don't know. Uh, that's the World Championship recap done and dusted. Thankfully, there are a lot of results there. Mm-hmm. Listen to question we've kind of already answered. So let's go moose on the loose and then finish this show. Oh, it's a gentle one today. But I reckon a lot of people have experienced this. So you're out on a training run and or in the middle of a marathon and you grab a, a gel, whichever gel you're, you're into. I, on the weekend, it was me with a Morton. And I grabbed the gel, I put it in my mouth, I tear the top off, but instead of tearing the top off, I tear off it on an angle that actually doesn't open the gel at all, <laughs> which makes the gel impossible to get anything out of because there's no opening and there's no tear section left. Mm-hmm. This happens to me a lot. This happened to me last week as well. And as I grabbed this gel on the weekend, I thought, don't fuck this up again. You did this last time. Make sure you get it right. Rip. I, I go to squeeze the gel, nothing comes out. I'm like, oh, you idiot. This is this is a, an annoying thing that only a runner would know about. 
and that only another runner would care about if you told him about how <laughs> annoying it was. <laughs> never happened to me, Moose. You maybe never you ripped need... the top off a gel and it didn't open? No, nah, maybe you need to get on uh, onto my gels. Winners. Oh, you... Yeah, no, nah, I'm not going there. Never, never had a problem problem with the winner's gels. I don't, you don't even want to open them, mate. <laughs> That's actually a good result, not opening that thing. <laughs> I had the uh, issue when I did Nobioka Marathon in Japan where I ripped it and it all split and went all over my glove. Oh. I remember sharing this story at the time, but it was like years and years ago, and I was worried I wasn't going to get the carbs in, so I was running along licking my glove, uh, like, uh. and I was the only Australian or non-Japanese person in this race, and I'm like, this is not a good look. Like, why have we invited this guy over here? You um, know, you just you got to dump the glove after that, though. Like, I, I could not. No, it was run that cold. I had to, I had to keep it on. Glove. Oh. Well, we actually, haven't because I often have sticky hands just from when I'm racing marathons like you always spill yeah. some on you so having the glove on actually kept all the stickiness away yeah that's true yeah. but you do get you get you get a bit clammy um and it's hard to wipe sort of sweat off with a sticky glove mm, well, I, I wasn't considered... too much. it was like one degrees that's very cold yeah. um the, the first thing i do though now is water bottle i'm like wash the stick off my hands it feels beautiful it mm. feels like you're clean again what about, uh, I tried this gel the other, or what I used at Gold Coast, Precision, and it was a twist top. So you take the top oh, off yeah. it, have a go at it, and you put the top back on. Yeah, okay. And you're running at a marathon pace, so it's manageable to do. You wouldn't want to try to do that at 10K. What's but, the um, volume of it? Um, good question. It's got 90 grams of carbs in it, though. I'm not is it sure. liquidy or is it jelly? Uh, more, more in between both, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit of, bit of both. Not too liquidy, but not Morton. You got to chew it, kind of thing. Can very much just be squirted in. Uh, what's coming up? Croaks couple of diamond leagues to finish off the track and field season for, uh, I guess, European American summer. Yep. So yeah, Zurich's on the thirty-first of August, and Xiamen, I think it's called Xiamen, uh, in is that China? Yep. Um, on the on the second of September. Couple um, of state half marathons on too. Burnley for Victoria. Where's the New South Wales half at? Out at Homebush. They do oh, yeah. so sort of Sydney, Sydney 10, ten on the same parts of the course, but they do like three by seven k loops. Good. What are you doing in your life, Moose? Between now and next week? Yeah, I'm back to work. Back to work again. So shoegakes tomorrow, aren't you too? Uh, is that tomorrow? No, day after. Got um, Jordan Donnelly from on. He's a shoe developer there, so we uh, we're going to hit him up for a bit of a chat. Whereabouts is he based? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I've, he's like Is it like I think it might be like Zurich. His head office man. Maybe you I listen thought, to the coffee club with him. Uh, I did listen to that one actually. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure they were over there for like Zurich Diamond League, and then they went to the head office and it ah, did the inter- okay. did the interview there. I might be I might be wrong, but. Yeah, I'd yeah. I mean, that would make anyway. sense. That's where they would live and work, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a big name. Big name, yeah. So, got any questions? Ah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have a clue what to ask him. But surely you guys ask better questions than the coffee club boys. I heard that was a. I I heard that. Uh, they they didn't get a lot of information out of that interview. Well, you expect that you guys might have a few more qualifications on those guys who are just professional athletes, whereas you guys are professional shoe dogs. Yeah, well, they're not. They're, they love feet, sniffing feet, touching feet. 
like playing with toes. Well, I'm into shoes more. Croaks, what are you doing between now and next week? Uh, yeah, I'm going back to work as well. Because I didn't work last week. And then um, oh, kids' birthday parties. You, your kids are old enough to be having to go on the, the birthday party circuit? No, nah, not yet. Uh, yeah, so Viv's off to like, she's going to some fashions on the field comp up near Sydney. So I've got both the kids and uh, yeah, we're going to a couple of birthday parties. Should be. I, I heard the um, worst bit about that is having to mingle with adults who you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not the best with that. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? I don't know. Try and find some common ground somewhere, I suppose. Do you, is your kid even friends with their kid though? Or is it just some like random kid from school daycare? They just oh, invite yeah. the whole class. Yeah. So no, the one on Saturday... Yeah, so Lily's like best friends with this girl. So I do know her parents, so that's easy. And I know some of um, the, their relatives, but then there'll be a heap of kids from her uh, her school there as well. Just bring up you had heart surgery last week. That will get the conversation <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, 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 go yeah pretty good. Had heart surgery last week. Yeah, well, because I'll have Collis there as well. So that's, a, that's an easy get out where he's got to like, oh, I've just got to look after him. So. Just drop him off. Come get him later. <laughs> no, nah, that's the thing. It's like there's a certain age where that happens. Yet. Yeah, but no, but kids' birthday parties, I reckon once they get to a certain age, you can actually drop them off, but it's not until they're like, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe like seven, whereas, yeah, th- three, four, five parents need to go. I do like he's just a bit ahead of us here, Moose. We can just see yeah. what the future holds for you I and think, I. Look, that sounds fucking horrible to me, though. <laughs> I'm already trying to work out ways to get that. Yeah, could you imagine Moose? Moose is, Moose oh. is bad enough in person at a running event. Imagine him rocking up to somebody's house and none of them run, n- nothing at all. Oh, you know what the most awkward thing is ever is when I go and do a marketplace transaction. Like, the other day I went to pick up a set of chairs and the bloke... Um, the bloke goes, oh, g'day, and he holds his hand out to shake my hand, but I didn't realise, and it, I, like, just stuffed the money in his hand. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, so, sorry. So, so, and then I go to put my hand out to shake, and he's already, like, putting the money in his pocket and turned around. I'm like, oh, how are you so bad at this? Like, <laughs> Talking about how bad you are at that, people were telling me yesterday in Shepparton that they've asked you for photos, and you wouldn't get photos oh, with them. That's, that is a fucking lie. Uh, no, they were serious. Like they were literally like, "Oh, we didn't want to ask because we asked Moose at the Gold Coast, and he and he told us he just doesn't do photos with listeners." Are you kidding me? You are making shit. I am a hundred percent. I swear on the life of my children. Oh, this was said to me yesterday. Unless okay. he has his unless he has his F POS machine, and then he's like, yep, yeah. no worries, five bucks." Far out. I thought he was a they man of the people, folks. That's a lie from them. I'd love to hear that story. There's a photo. There's a, they tagged me in a photo saying at least one of us would get a photo with us. Yeah. Anyway, disappointing you, Moose. photo with me anyway? Fucking hell. We hey. sit behind our screens. We're absolute nerds. We get, we talk about running. Yeah. Just, just let the people take a photo of you. <laughs> I'm asking. Uh, uh, All right. I'll see you Sunday morning, Moose. Bit of half marathon action. See oh, you yeah. next week, Croaks. Looking forward to it. See you, boys. See ya. Special thanks to ASICS for sponsoring this episode of the Inside Running Podcast. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Updated with a 4D guidance system for support right when you need it and pure gel technology for softer landings every time. Visit asics.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today.
Doesn't matter if it.